Talk of the Town with topics that matter. Here's Lisa Kay. Focus on Ag. Talk of the Town today. Kent TC, our farm management analyst and vice president of MinStar Bank. Kent, I hope you had a good Halloween. Well, it, it was a good Halloween. I guess uh, certainly the uh, weather uh, changed a lot in the last uh, week of October. We went from uh, basically most of the fall above normal temperatures, and uh, we did get some rain this fall, but then all of a sudden uh, it was just like somebody pulled a curtain and we went from uh, above normal to well below normal temperatures and uh, ground freezing and snow, uh, even some snow that stayed on the ground in some areas from a couple events. So yeah. uh, uh, things definitely did change, and uh, we'll see what happens now. The month of November can always be kind of a iffy one. Some years uh, you can get uh, some really nice weather in the month of November, and of course, We've seen some pretty big snowstorms come sometime in the month of November. Well, so how did the weather, and did it, affect the harvest uh, as we wrap up the season? Well, I think, you know, fortunately for farmers, uh, they were able to get a lot of harvesting done, really from the uh, end of September through most of October. Uh, We had favorable weather. We did have a couple events of rain there, but because we had been so dry before that, in a lot of cases, the rain only slowed the harvest down a day or two, and they were right back at it. And actually, the rain was even beneficial in some cases with tillage and stuff like that. Now, the the last, uh, when we got to the end of October there, some areas got two to three inches of rain. Mm-hmm. And uh, that caused a few more delays. And then, of course, in the areas that had wet snow, uh, that can cause some issues as well. And I think it also made... Uh, Made for a few more challenges with uh, tillage and uh, manure applications after harvest, so kind of slowed things down a little bit. Uh, but we're we're certainly moving along, even uh, with the colder weather. Uh, it just maybe doesn't go quite as quick and smooth. But uh, uh, farmers are able to get things done, and especially when fields get a little wet sometimes the fact when it's colder can help firm the ground up a little bit compared to when you're dealing with 50 60 degree temperatures right and heavy equipment is not good in the mud so uh, let's talk well, and you do see that a lot of fields there with uh, all of a sudden they're parking uh, their grain semis <laughs> along the roads rather than uh, out in the fields and that means that uh, Probably some challenges uh, with the wet field conditions, getting those big loaded semis out of the field. So uh, that's why you see that happening out there. Mm-hmm. Do we have any word now on the, the yield reports, corn and soybeans? Or? <clears throat> well, it's um, it, <clears throat> we're getting closer on the soybeans. Uh, as the last harvest report we had statewide was showed 94% of the soybeans harvested in Minnesota. That was a week ago uh, on October 29th. Obviously, that's probably progressed even more. As we get uh, to today, the report will be coming out a little later this afternoon. Mm-hmm. So we're kind of wrapping up on the soybeans. Uh, the the yields have been uh, pretty variable as you kind of go across the region and across the state, but uh I think uh, one term I've heard a lot with soybeans, at least locally here in our lo- more localized region, is better than expected. I think as dry as it was uh, for most of the growing season, I think uh, the expectations weren't real high on the soybean yields. And 
Uh, they've maybe been a little better than expected. Now, saying that, uh, they haven't certainly uh, been near as uniform or as strong as we had a year ago for in most cases. Now, there's, I think as you get down to the southern part of our listening area here, down toward the I-90 corridor near the Iowa border, uh, the soybean yields have probably been a little more consistent and a little better. You know, we move over to the corn side of things. Um, a week ago, uh, we were Minnesota was at 75% of the corn harvested was the estimate. Nationally, it was 71%, so just ahead. And, and Iowa and uh, uh, was very similar to Minnesota at 77%. The Dakotas, North and South Dakota, a little further behind. When you went into Wisconsin, even Southeast Minnesota, Wisconsin, the Eastern Corn Belt, uh, Many of those areas still had over half of their corn left to harvest a week ago at this time. So it's been a little wetter in that area, a little later maturing corn. So a few more challenges, more corn to get out. You know, the corn yields have been all over the board. Uh, you know, you hear uh, some pretty good yields uh, probably in our area where some people saying, hey, we got above 200 bushel corn, don't know where it came from. It was really good. And then uh, either the same farmer on a different uh farm sometimes even in the same field will say really disappointed i only got a less than 150 bushel an acre corn so and that's just kind of the kind of year it's been it really varied a lot it varied in the beginning i think on planting date it always varies a little on what corn hybrid you're planting but also planting date we had those heavy rains back in the middle of may and just the timeliness of when corn was planted around that and then uh during the summer, when did you get the rain? How much did you get? Some of those uh, areas, again, that caught uh, maybe a little extra rain there at that critical uh, pollination and ear setting time in July, maybe got a little better yields and some areas that missed those rains, maybe didn't get the rains till late in the year, uh, aren't getting quite as good a yield. So it's really all over the board. I think when it's all said and done, I think Minnesota, they're projecting a a statewide corn yield this year of uh, 179 bushels an acre and last year of course we had a state record yield of 195 mm -hmm. and, and we may not even hold that yield in minnesota when it's all said and done i think there's a lot of variability all over the state so we'll have to see uh where that comes out but definitely that kind of shows that uh the projections are down uh, by comparison soybeans uh they project Minnesota, USDA does, to have a statewide yield of just 49.6, and last year it was 50.1, so not that much different than a year ago. So we'll just have to kind of wait and see uh, how it all sorts out. But, uh, again, it's not going to be uh, as uniform or as good as last year. Uh, good news with the corn uh, for about the fourth year in a row now, because of the nice fall weather, the corn has dried down in the field. Mm -hmm. Ideally, uh, farmers like to have that corn at about 14 to 16% moisture to throw in their bins on the farm and store till next spring or summer. And a lot of the corn that's coming out has been under 20%. In fact, some of it's even been down in that 16 to 18%. So it hasn't required a lot of supplemental drying. And of course, farmers use LP or natural gas to dry that corn. So when you take the corn out uh, closer to that ideal moisture, it really saves on your costs for drying. So that's been a good thing, I think, uh, 
for farmers and uh, really uh, helps uh, cut some of that extra expense. And so now are we we're moving into like the, the fall, the late fall tillage and applying fertilizers and things like that? What are they doing to get ready? Well, again, it varies from farm to farm. A lot of farmers, uh, if they have enough uh, labor resources and the equipment, they'll do a lot of their tillage as they're harvesting. For some other farmers, uh, they still do quite a bit of tillage uh, after they finish harvesting uh, fall fertilizer applications. In our area, um, a lot of farmers like to put some nitrogen down in the fall. Uh, it's getting less, probably that's been declining because uh, of the cost of nitrogen fertilizer. Uh, a lot of farmers waiting till spring just to uh, avoid some of the losses there. Uh, one thing we had a concern about up until probably the last couple weeks was back with that warm weather back in early to mid-October, uh, if the soil temperature is above 50 degrees, you can start losing a lot of nitrogen this fall. You put it on and then uh, it's not there next spring uh, as much of it. You lose some of it. But uh, once the temperatures drop down here, that's probably not a concern anymore. But uh, uh, again, if you are putting nitrogen on in the fall, you need to be, there's some areas near rivers and streams that uh, uh, on lighter soils were Fall nitrogen is not allowed in Minnesota, so if you're if you're in any of those areas, you probably need to be uh, checking with the uh, either the Minnesota Department of Agriculture or the University of Minnesota on uh, what where it's allowed and where it's not allowed and uh, on proper nitrogen rates and that type of thing. Uh, also, a lot of farmers that raise livestock in our area, a lot of hogs. They tend to put the hog manure on it once they finish harvest. And uh, again, uh, that's where if you get too much rain, that can that's injected into the soil usually, so that can slow that process down. So farmers are hoping for that. The other thing farmers like to do, uh, if they're going to uh, either fix up or add to their tile drainage systems, usually the fall is the time uh, after harvest when they get in the fields without damaging the crops to do some of that. Mm-hmm. Ken TC with, uh, with us. Focus on ag today. Can we talk about grain prices and, and a little crop insurance update? Well, uh, grain prices have uh, kind of stayed low here. Uh, we just haven't. Uh, <clears throat> sometimes uh, we get into harvest season, and especially the last few years where uh, <clears throat> Um, demand uh, nationally and worldwide has been strong, and maybe the total crop production uh, not quite what was expected. We've seen some uh, uh, strength in the grain markets as we uh, finish harvest and post-harvest. We really haven't seen that this year. Both corn and soybeans, the prices have stayed pretty steady, uh, well below where they were a year ago uh, Locally, corn prices are probably a dollar to dollar fifty lower than they were uh, uh, at beginning of November a year ago, and uh, soybean prices similarly. So, uh, again, uh, certainly not the strong harvest time, post-harvest prices we had. That's probably bad news if you got a lot of grain to sell where you haven't priced it yet. That's coming out of the field. It's probably good news for livestock producers that are. Uh, buying grain for feed, either corn or soybean meal. Uh, call those costs have come down, help the bottom line. Ken TC and Focus on Ag on Talk of the Town today, and we're going to come back and talk a little bit about our crop insurance prices.
Back on KTOE, Lisa Kay on your midday with Kent TC. It's a focus on Ag Day. And Kent, talk a little bit about crop insurance prices and how they're set. Our crop insurance uh, payments are determined by what our uh, grain prices are in the month of October. Uh, the ba- What they use, I set a base price in the spring based on average prices in the month of February. And then they compare that to the average prices on the Chicago Board of Trade uh, in the month of October, and they use December corn futures for the base for corn, November soybean futures for soybeans. And uh, in the case of corn, uh, we're going to end up about a dollar a bushel below where we started. We started the year at, at last February at 5.91. We're going to end up uh, at at about 4.90 or uh, 4.89, 4.90. And uh, for soybeans, we started at 13.76, and we're going to end up somewhere uh, uh, probably around uh, 12.82, 12.83. So what that means is, uh, when you have a revenue protection policy, you have a base yield, and you multiply it times that beginning price to get your revenue coverage. You insure at 80 or 85 percent of that. And uh, then you take your actual yield times the fall price. So, mm. so uh, in the case of corn, uh, if you say you started with a 200 bushel base yield, uh, if you had 200 bushels an acre at 85% coverage, you're kind of right at that threshold level where you start collecting some crop insurance payments. Right. So for those farmers that had a yield loss on corn, if they're below the 200 bushels an acre and they had that 85% insurance coverage, they're going to be able to collect some crop insurance to help offset some of the yield loss and the drop in price. And, uh, you know, with soybeans, you probably need at least a five to 10 bushel reduction in yield uh, to start collecting a lot of payments. But certainly crop insurance is going to help uh, stave off some of the financial losses that may have occurred uh, both from yield reductions this year due to the dry weather and from the drop in prices from last spring to where we are today. So uh, that's certainly going to help a lot of farmers out, the ones at least that are carrying 80 or 85% uh, crop insurance coverage. So Kent, how does a farmer make the decision whether to store or to sell the grain and what do you need to take into consideration? Well, I think, uh, you know, kind of like we've talked here, You know, we've had some strong, for about three years in a row prior to this year, we have very strong prices kind of at harvest time and right after harvest. So a lot of farmers took advantage of that to sell corn uh, and soybeans either, if not right out of the field, they would sell them uh, uh, maybe in January uh, right after the first of the year. Now, this year we are are not looking at that same situation. I know in past months when we've been on here, we talked a little about basis, which is the difference between your local price at a local elevator or ethanol plant, soybean plant, compared to the Chicago Board of Trade price. And up until this year, we had really, because supplies were fairly tight, we had kind of a narrow basis that kept our local prices higher. That's kind of widened out this year just because there's just a lot more corn and soybeans out there. And the demand hasn't been quite as strong uh, for those two products uh, nationally. So the the opportunities to market uh, right away aren't as good, which kind of encourages you to store the grain. Uh, usually prices improve and basis levels improve as you get to spring and summer. 
Now, us setting that this year is interest rates. Of course, uh, we've seen, as everybody knows out there, whether you're uh, a homeowner or a farmer, uh, interest rates have more than doubled in the last year to year and a half. And that starts to affect farmers because if farmers uh, have an operating line of credit where they've borrowed money that they need to pay off uh, either last year's crop or borrow ahead for next year, mm-hmm. um, they're probably now paying 8 to 9% interest where they were only paying 4% uh, uh, two years ago and, and maybe 6 or 7% last year. So suddenly that uh, if you're paying, in other words, if you can sell the grain and have the cash and not pay the interest, uh, that that adds up, so it can easily add an extra um, three to five cents a month, or or more, depending on where you're at, just in interest costs. So you kind of got to factor that into the decision whether you store the grain or sell the grain. We'll be back on Talk of the Town with more focus on ag. Kent Tc, our guest today on KTOE. Farm management analyst Kent TC joins us for Focus on Ag today, and we're talking a little bit about grain marketing. You know, there's different uh, tools available besides just having the grain in the bin. You can actually sell the grain and own, basically own it on paper if you want, with take the cash and own a futures contract or own a... Uh, options contract to sell the grain later so there's many different tools that farmers have but it it's a little more complicated than it has in the past and another tool that's available to farmers out there through their local farm service agency offices they can do what's called a commodity credit marketing loan where they can actually get a partial payment on their grain put it under loan for nine months and then have the ability to sell it later if the prices go up so again there's a lot of tools out there for farmers, but it isn't the same as it's been. I guess that's the final message. It's <laughs> different than it's been the last two or three years. And next year might be more challenging with the break-even levels. Yeah, if, if prices stay where they're at, the, you know, we're I we've seen some of the inputs for next year, especially fertilizer costs, have probably come down the most. Uh, but a lot of the price uh, input costs for seed and chemicals. Uh, fuel, repairs, labor, uh, we've talked about interest rates have all stayed up there pretty high, and of course, land costs have stayed up there pretty high, so uh, if prices stay where they're at, uh, it could be a little more challenging uh, doing cash flows and uh, break-even levels as we look ahead to 2024. Kent, let's talk about the current status of that new farm bill and some other items that are going on in Washington right now that we focus on a little bit. Well, certainly the month of October was dominated for several weeks by uh, the U.S. House of Representatives not having a Speaker of the House. And, of course, uh, if you don't have a Speaker of the House, uh, there's uh, uh, not much happening legislatively at the federal level in one arm of the government. And, of course, uh, we talked last month, I think, about the fact that at the end of September, the current Farm Bill expired and uh, both the U.S. House and U.S. Senate have been working on a farm bill, but to this point, neither one have put out an actual proposal. So uh, uh, now the new speaker, uh, the farm bill was one of the things he did talk about was possibly uh, trying to work on a farm bill. But uh, again, uh, I know Congressman Finstead and some others from the Midwest have put a letter out 
saying they would like that to be a priority, but obviously Congress has a lot of issues on the table now. And so uh, whether they'll uh, get to a point here where the time clock is running, uh, uh, there's certain programs uh, that uh, have are kind of on hold till we get a new farm bill or the current bill gets extended. Uh, when we get to the end of the year, then it starts affecting some of the funding uh, sources for some programs. So we'll kind of have to watch here in the next six to eight weeks to see what happens. Uh, my best guess is still that we'll, we're more than likely to see an extension of the current farm bill. I know even some of the U.S. senators now have kind of come out and saying they think that's probably what will happen. And uh, it'll be interesting to watch with some of the legislation here uh, with funding the government and some of those things. There could be a farm bill extension tied into that of at least one year. Uh, and that isn't the end of the world from a farm standpoint, because that would keep a lot of our current uh, farm program, crop insurance programs intact as they are. And uh, they they won't totally lapse, and certainly an extension then would also keep some of the other programs for dairy producers, livestock producers, uh, uh, conservation programs. Keep a lot of those programs going as well. Right, and especially if we're uh, we're looking at a possible government shutdown. Hopefully, uh, hopefully we'll get some news. Well, and a government shutdown, you know, again, uh, most likely wouldn't last too long, but uh, obviously it affects a lot of things, uh, potentially people getting things like Social Security payments and, and other assistance payments, but it could affect farmers. One of the things we talked about uh, a little earlier in the program here is more farmers may be using those uh, com- uh, commodity marketing loans for corn and soybeans. Well, uh, one of the first uh, offices that usually gets shut down in a government shutdown are the farm service agency offices where farmers uh, do a lot of their business as far as those loans and other government programs related to farming. So it could have a big impact on farmers because those offices tend to get pretty busy in November and December and early January. It feels like there's a lot of just cross your fingers and, and hope for the best. <laughs> I guess. Well, I guess we, I guess we have to have faith, right? Faith in the people that are <laughs> in Washington, that's hard to do sometimes. But I think uh, hopefully uh, we can uh, get some folks working together a little bit to solve a few of these problems. Well, as we continue on with the season, we still want to remind people about farm safety. It still is top of mind. It still is a priority for farmers and for those of us that are not farmers. Yeah, you know, we've, uh, again, it seems like it happens every year, but in the last couple of weeks, there's been some serious accidents uh, involving uh, uh, farm-related equipment and farm grain semis. And again, a lot of it is just uh, paying attention, driving out on the roads. Uh, I know they had a bad accident up in Renville County where a couple people got killed, and Basically, somebody went through a stop sign and uh, they had a head on. And, uh, you know, again, it isn't just the farmers, but everybody out there just needs to pay attention, uh, realize that these vehicles are not moving at the same speed that normal traffic is, and, uh, you know, stay off the cell phones. And especially this time of year when the daylight gets shorter, we're going to. And obviously the sun is in a bad position on east and west roads in the morning and afternoon. So just uh, 
a little extra caution, uh, drive defensively, uh, slow down, and uh, hopefully everybody will stay safe. Kent, you have the Focus on Ag newsletter that comes out regularly. If people want to get on that mailing list, they can receive some of this information right in their inbox. It's real easy to sign up for. What do we need to do? Um, just send a uh, email to kent.tc at minstarbank.com or otherwise uh, you can go to the Minstar Bank website and uh, find some past issues there and uh, get the information. Focus on Ag. It's Kent TC, our farm management analyst and senior vice president from Minstar Bank. Kent, have a good rest of the month and we will check in with you early December. Sounds great. Thank you.